Rewind with Oshin Langan. We're tired, but we're happy. Welcome to a special rebooted Rewind on News Talk as Ireland are on their way to Euro 2016. You can flick ahead, by the way, for rugby and interviews from the ladies' football all-stars, Breach Corkery and Cora Staunton among them. We've also got analysis of Ronda Rousey's loss in UFC. Right now, though, you're about to hear from Ireland manager Martin O'Neill and some of the fans. But first, it's John O'Shea, Seamus Coleman, two-goal hero John Walters, and Robbie Brady were on our way to Euro 2016. Brady whips it in, it's going low, it's met by a Bosnia foot, comes to the back post, and scored by John Walters, it's his second of the game, and he may well have just booked Ireland's place in Euro 2016. It is very, very special. When I look back, I think this is, uh, this is a very, very proud moment. And do you know why it is, I think? I mean, I've obviously praised the players. We will have a massive contingent going to France. And that's why I'm very, very pleased. We knew, especially the, the atmosphere that was out in Bosnia, it's coming back here, the support. They were really going to push us over the line and to make sure we qualify for France. And thankfully we have done and we know our fans will travel everywhere to support us. What a feeling, like, I haven't experienced anything like that playing from a country and you grow up wanting to be in these tournaments and I just can't wait. It's, it's a special moment, it's a special moment in people's career. There's not many teams qualify for major tournaments I think this is in the history of Ireland six times yeah. is it six times all in all I think so So it doesn't happen very often so these are times you have to enjoy because there's so many ups and downs in football and it's, uh, you know, when you get a moment like this tonight you know you have to cherish it and I think there's certainly the lads will two fantastic finishes from you tonight well done yeah just happy to be on the end of it so uh we're delighted and we've got there in the end, yeah. Difficult campaign, but we got there. Tell me about your composure tonight because you looked relaxed at all stages and you looked on top at all stages. Just got out there and play and have it look like that or not. And it's difficult sometimes, it was on the right and come back on the left. And I thought the team did excellent today, the, the shape of us. And we restricted them really to long balls at the end and they didn't have many chances apart from that. So fair play to, the, to the, everyone that was behind the ball and there. Uh, Especially like the likes of Richard Keogh and Keogh Clark that I thought had an excellent game tonight and dealt with Jekko very well. Talk to me about that finish for the second goal. Is that something that maybe you might have even tried a couple of years ago? It kind of shows how you've evolved as a player. No, not at all. I'm there. No, I'm there. I'm going to shoot. Simple as that. Sometimes you might hit it the other side, keep my save it and it's squeezed in near post. But um, throughout my career, I'm not in that position of shooting no matter what. Has this team evolved since the last European Championships you reached? course with different team different players so um, we've got a mix of old and young and teams evolve teams change and I'm sure things will change between now and the summer and there's a lot of players fighting for the places Robbie was that the most confident display you've had under Martin I think so I think because of the game that was in it you know what I mean it was really crunch time now and it would have been a, a hell of a shame to let it slip tonight for everybody uh, everybody watching and everyone you're playing for it'd be a, it'd be a shame to, to let it slip tonight with the, with the performance we put on in uh, the group status at no stage throughout the game tonight did you look nervous, you always looked composed, you always looked like you could get after Bosnia and did. Tell me how that came about. Is that something that you sensed was going to happen beforehand? Is it something that you, when you looked at the team, said, yeah, actually, we can get after these guys, we can put them under pressure? I think so, you know what I mean? Especially the, the leg away, when you felt a little bit in, in getting the system out and seeing what the dangers are and where we need to press and where we don't need to press. And I think the staff and the, the players that played tonight got it right, you know what I mean? It made it made uh, our jobs at the back a little bit easier. The lads up front and the lads in midfield were pressing so well and 
like I said, we were confident. We knew, you just got that feel throughout the game that we were uh, we were solid enough. And does the fact that you did it playing good football, controlled football, keeping it on the deck, doing what you know you can, does that send a message out? And does it send a message even kind of internally to yourselves? Definitely. You know, what I mean, it's training each day. You know, everybody doesn't get to see it, but the lads are good players, and uh, what a group to to do with. I couldn't have picked a one different man to do with. The, the group has been uh, the group has been brilliant throughout the whole competition. Everyone's had a part to play and I'm just uh, like I said I'm over the moon to be involved. What did you think of that? Uh, it was absolutely brilliant, yeah. Can't wait for France. Ah, uh, brilliant, super. They were bleeding. Great tonight. Brilliant. It's good to be back now in the European team. Brilliant. I was in Dalymount Park when John Atteo sucked the ball into the Irish net and put us out in 1950-something. And I've been here, and this has been the greatest night of our lives. I've been here for all of them. We've followed them, all of them. And this is absolutely brilliant. we played them off the park. And Martin O'Neill has... We've seen a transition of team. He brought in new players. He brought in the new goalkeeper, a new centre-back. He's absolutely brilliant. Are you going to France? The Pope of Catholic. <laughs> First of all, I'm going for a few pints. <laughs> Thanks very much. Does the trip to France next summer mean a very, very tight Christmas? No. Sure, sure why we'll just uh, you know we, we'll worry about it in January yeah we'll worry about it in January if she says to you listen let's skip presents this year because we're saving for France don't fall for it no I oh, tell no. him to skip the presents yeah but don't fall for it no no I'll buy her a ticket to France and she can do the same to <laughs> yeah. me and then we'll both have a lovely Christmas who's taking the horse to France I think Martin O'Neill will take the horse and we'll all ride it for her <laughs> will you all go to France oh hi Paddy Ori myself Kevin Anya Marie, Tiernan, all these kids all go to France. Jimmy Coleman is our hero. Is he your relative? Yeah. How close? He's in Gilly Beggs and we live just down the road. <laughs> Derry is our next door neighbour. We're very, very pleased for Martin O'Neill. And uh, we think he's done a great job in getting, getting them there. Some of the fans and of course Martin O'Neill along with players John O'Shea, Seamus Coleman, two-goal hero John Walters and Robbie Brady. The draw for Euro 2016 will be made on December 12th. We can't be drawn against Northern Ireland by the way because they're in the same pot as us but we could come up against uh, the likes of uh, Germany, France or England. Rugby now and we'll review Leinster's loss and Munster's win over the weekend in the Champions Cup. Don't forget next weekend we've got Leinster against uh, Bath live at the Rec. It's a game Leinster have to win following their 33-6 defeat to Wasps at the RDS over the weekend. I've been speaking with Captain Jamie Heaslip but first Coach Leo Cullen. I think it a lot to do with the fact that Wasps were allowed to build a lead quite quite softly without exerting really a huge amount of pressure on us. Um, we give away a penalty for a scrum bind. We give away a penalty for, for a for a sloppy high tackle I thought we give away a penalty for um, you know being counterrupt on our own breakdown ball and then we give away that soft try as well you know don't deal with a kick ball bounces Christian Wade scores so you know there's 16 points in the first half which gives them a 10 point lead and they're, they feel comfortable in the game you know we, we miss a couple of tackles for a try at the start of the second half so we just gave away soft scores and then you know, we're probably doing uncharacteristic things, trying to chase the game, and we never really had any control of the game, which is probably the most disappointing thing because at no stage did we build um, any real pressure for uh, long periods on uh, on Wasps. Obviously, you were surprised by that. Were you surprised that 
leadership wasn't shown on the field to kind of rectify that situation because we saw it this time last year that they were behind against the same team and pulled it out of the bag but this year at no stage in that game did they look like pulling it out of the bag yeah it was strange um, I think there was always a fear going into the game that we're going to be potentially a bit disjointed because of the nature of guys haven't got the opportunity to play together yet so maybe there's a little bit of that um, it's, it's hard to say you know Wasps are, are a tough team as well and I thought they would control the game pretty well once they had that lead so the biggest learning from us is we can't afford teams to start like that against us you know and a lot of it came down to our own inaccuracies which is probably the most frustrating thing it was not like we were you know defending on our line um, inside the 22 for any great length of time during the entire game but to give away the scores that we gave away is um, is very very disappointing is this about individuals looking at themselves this week and knowing they need to do better out there or is it about collectively coming together how do you get it right for Bath next week because that's a big game in the wreck yeah it's a quick turnaround six days and a lot of things that we you know went wrong today are, I think are easily fixed it's uh, it's about guys stepping up and having the belief that they can progress in this pool now and um, we've been in a situation before where we've lost our first game the RDS and gone on to qualify this group was always going to be tough and now it's got incredibly tough so um, yeah it's about focusing on ourselves now as I said it's a short turnaround in the bat and we need to be a hell of a lot better across the board because that level of performance today was completely unacceptable. If you have Ethan Athewa, Luke Fitzgerald and Rob Kearney back for next week, you're, you're a stronger team. What are the chances, first of all, of, of them coming back? And secondly, how big a boost would, would it be to have those guys back? Yeah, we'll assess all those guys. Um, I know, say, Rob and Ben and Luke, they, they've been training rehabbing well this week um, so they're getting close Issa was probably touch and go for today but you know with the, all the big games coming up it was he, you know he didn't quite come through a fitness test late late in the week and so yeah it would be great boost having some fresh bodies um, and yeah we just need to dust ourselves off and move on to next week Thanks Leo Jamie Heaslip sometimes in a match one or two things can go wrong and it can lead to a poor result today it, it just all seemed to go wrong can you put your finger on it? Um, I wouldn't say it all went wrong. I think um, there were moments in the game that um, Wasp took advantage of. Um, you know, in the first half we felt really strong, we felt we were getting into good position, good territory, um, and we were getting reward and some penalties. But we we probably could have been better with uh, with taking more, be more advantageous in, in their 22, especially um, when we, I thought we were putting them under pressure. And then, you know, um, they kind of get literally look at a bounce and, and, and get some points against the, the run of play and, and they stay in the game and, and they take their scores very well. And uh, it, was, it was a challenge then once they got um, when they got that second try, I think they, they pushed out to, uh, I think they were 10, uh, 15, 17 points ahead of us, you know, and, and then it, it's, you know, it's a challenge. They, they, they made us work for it. Um, but, you know, We've got to park it, move on very quickly, six days now, and we've got Bath ahead of us. Leo mentioned the word disjointed, and he said, you know, the fact that so many guys were kind of coming back and hadn't played together wasn't a help. Would, would you agree with that? And, and how much of a factor was that? And, and how effective will you be going into the next game? Because although you'll have played together, it wasn't a great performance. Um, you know, as, as you know, professionals, you know, as players, we we don't really look at it like that. Um, this day and age, of the game you got to be able to pick it up and get on with it. That's what we tried to do. Um, we could have been better. There was a lot of mistakes, and we have to be better uh, going forward. It's as simple as that. How do you get it right this week? 
just focus on Bath. Um, they're a good side. Um, we've got a lot of work. The uh, female analysts would have called a lot of stuff for us, and, and you know we got to park it pretty quickly this evening and come to work tomorrow. Um, ready to roll our sleeves up. We made it tough for ourselves, but uh, this competition is tough, and we've been in this position before, and we've uh, we've done it before. So we've got to take a bit of faith in that, but know that in order to do it. Um, you got to put in a massive shift. Are you disappointed that in, that in the second half, with about 20 minutes to go, you never looked like you could play your way back into it, and maybe some of the body language didn't look great out there? Well, I was on the field, and uh, we felt pretty confident. Is it something, though, that you'll kind of examine? I mean, when you, when you go through a performance like this, what specifically do you look to? Well, obviously, yeah, we'll, we'll look at the game, and we'll, we'll look at the mistakes that, that, that happened, and where we could have been more uh, advantageous in, in situations we placed ourselves into and then look at why we, we, we didn't take advantage of those situations and how we let those scores in and, and that's how you assess every game be win, win, lose or draw and, and, and that's where we're at really you know, that's, you know I don't have the beauty of looking at the game you know, I'm in the game so I, you know it, all I know is that we felt good even even 20 minutes, in, you know, 20 minutes left into the game, we felt we felt good. We felt that if we held on to the ball and worked our shape, that we would, and we did get them into our 22, only to turn it over at vital times. And um, you know, that was kind of, I suppose, the, the the story of the game. Is it a good thing, a very good thing, that you do have sh- such a short turnaround? You know, you, you've got the chance to get get out there and get it right. Uh, I don't know if it's a good thing or not. I mean, we're, obviously, we're very disappointed. Um, a to to lose but to lose at home as well but um, that's done and we got to simply just focus on the task at hand and that's Bath right now best of luck thank you cheers this is the Rewind on News Talk and that was Jamie Heaslip and before him Leo Cullen uh, here now is the analysis of former uh, Munster and Leinster back Johnny Murphy and Grenoble coach Bernard Jackman of course a former uh, well Heineken Cup winner as it was called back then with Leinster both have been speaking to off the ball yeah I think it was pretty poor I think Leo spoke well you know he he focused on the, you know, the three or four key errors or um, or faults that you know allowed Wasp build up a lead. But um, you know, I think the real test for Leinster is, is is what's going to happen this week. You know, um, in terms of can they bounce back against Bath? The surprising thing for me was that there was a real lack of intensity and urgency. Um, and when you have that intensity and, and urgency on and off the ball, uh, you tend to make less errors. But Leinster seemed to be a little bit passive, and um, you know, Leo said Watts came with a, with a simple game plan. Um, you know, but I, I think they deserve massive credit for the fact for the way that they they managed the game. They took a crowd that didn't really, you know, maybe Sunday Sunday early kickoff. Leinster didn't give them much to get into the game, but they took the crowd out of it, so it wasn't a very intimidating uh, place for them because of how well I suppose Watts managed the game. And um, you know, Johnny spoke about forty percent possession. Um, and you know he's right. You know Leinster did dominate the ball, but what strength is their is their counter attack and their ability to punch off of turnover ball. So it didn't really matter to them um, that they didn't dominate uh, the possession stats. But what they needed to do was make sure that they're very comfortable defensively, which they were. And you know when there was you know a counter attack opportunity or a turnover opportunity that they were able to lift the pace and and they were you know they 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 were able to go into fifth gear very quickly. But Leinster. You know they spent long periods in the first half in the in the wasp um, half, a lot of it in the in the wasp twenty two, and they just 
um, they weren't they weren't uh, anyway accurate or or able to to really hurt them. They built phases, but they were a little bit passive. They were second set. I said already. They're second set at every. I don't know where where that comes from. It, it, it might it might have kind of the first two minutes of the game were were dominated by Watts. They made a they made a clean break, um, and that might have kind of set them back a small bit. Going, oh, okay, this is a good. This is a very good side, and then. When you're, it can get, it can breed from frustration. I suppose that's that's where it can come from purely right. on the on the sense that you're tr- you you keep on trying, you're and you're banging away at the at the at their defensive line in their 22. But mm. no matter what you do, the same outcome comes. You either knock the ball on or and and there was just that unforced errors that that probably just caused that. It, it was, you know, Leo spoke about it there. The frustration he said for him it was unbelievably frustrating. So imagine what it's like for the players when you're trying when you you feel you're trying as hard as you can, but nothing is coming off. Mm. Um, and that's probably just where where it came from. And you know, as as Bernard said, was played played well. They played to their strengths. Uh, they counterattacked very well. Back three controlled. Um, the kick kick game and then when they had their opportunities they popped up in the right spots and, and took their mismasters Bernard Jackman and Johnny Murphy speaking to off the ball on Leinster's poor display against Wasps Simon Zebo secured the bonus point for Munster with his try against Treviso on Saturday in Thoman Park off the ball's match day commentator Dave McIntyre uh, caught up with Zebo after the game we, we came in with the intention of winning and, and, and putting the pressure on to get the bonus point obviously conditions were as, as tough as I've ever played in in Thoman Park to be honest the wind was ridiculous so um, to be able to get the win and the bonus point is, is going to give us great confidence going into the next round and such a brilliant start I mean you got the try inside the first five minutes Treviso didn't get out of their own half for the first ten minutes and everything looked rosy and it just, you never seemed to kick on from that what, why was the, what were the reasons for that do you think? Um, I'm not so sure we, it's not, we didn't put the foot off the pedal or anything it's just the wind and the game we know uh, Treviso are capable of kicking the corners and, and finding the space and they did that well because the wind was very, very hard to defend so um, they put us under pressure but I suppose at the start of the second half we knew we had to, to bounce out and, and um, attack and be positive. There were issues at the set piece, scrum and liner at times and that's not your department so we won't quiz you on that but the conditions for backs and trying to get the ball through the hands it did seem that maybe you guys were trying to play a little too much rugby given the conditions it, the, all four of the tries actually came from close in play in and around the fringes yeah I suppose you, you could say that it was it was a very tough game you know and, and obviously the conditions were nearly impossible to get out to the touchline so but at the same time you, you, we can't afford to leave our, our forwards just work for the whole game we need to take the pressure off them and make some carries and, and let them get a bit of momentum um, off our carries so uh, it's a whole 15 team playing instead of just eight so um, yeah we uh, we look sharp at times Erzy uh, didn't get much ball but every time he did he looked sharp Francis looked sharp and you know it's exciting and, and we're, um, we're we're just trying to play attacking rugby 10-7 and a half time was there any panic setting in what was the discussion what was the tone of the dressing room Ah, yeah, it was, it was just we knew we had the job to do and we were excited. Um, bonus point was obviously our goal, um, but we had to beat them first and that's why we had to kick the penalties and, and make sure we put them out of distance. And, and, um, and then after, once we did that, we were able to go and attack and get the bonus point. This team has lost a serious amount of leaders, not just over the last, say, five, six years as the greats stepped away, but even just in the last few weeks, obviously losing Tommy, losing Peter, Paul O'Connell, heading abroad. 
it's a major leadership void that needed to be filled. We maybe see towards the end there the likes of yourself, uh, CJ Stander stepping up. Ian Keatley kicked beautifully in the final quarter. If someone didn't step up, you guys were going to start in the worst possible fashion. Yeah, we needed we needed people to step up and um, and show leadership, and, and we, we certainly got that out of the boys. And um, yeah, it just felt like we were going in the right direction, and everybody knew what to do. So that's probably the most positive thing out of everything is that we weren't just left around looking for someone to tell us what to do. So um, it was obviously a unique game, but um, we're very happy we got the bonus point and the win. Any frustration with the referee? There was a couple of, and I'm not talking about calls that could be interpreted, there were at least two knock-ons which clearly weren't knock-ons that went backwards. We used to watch the replay many times in commentary. We, how the referee did say it was just beyond, it was just a bad call. I mean, when you guys see that kind of thing, as opposed to just scrum decisions, which maybe can go either way, is it difficult to avoid getting annoyed and frustrated and allowing it to get into your game and into your head? No, we can't let that happen, you know. Um, mistakes are going to happen with everybody included on the, fi- on the, on the pitch, and, and that's including the officials. And to be honest, I thought the ref had a great game. You know, it was his first Champions Cup game, and, and he did himself proud, and he kept the game going as much as he could. So... Um, if you let those things uh, attack and get into your head, then you're not uh, you're not ready to do a job. So you just have to focus on the next morning, moment, and, and that's what we did. So we're very happy. Crucial that you guys get the bonus point, given that Leicester beat Stad last night, and you guys are heading to France now in a week a week's time. It'll obviously be a really charged atmosphere, a really emotional atmosphere in Paris, given what happened last night in the French capital. It's going to be an incredible occasion, isn't it? And it's it's like the sort of occasion where you guys have to put the circumstances away and out of your mind, is and just try and get what you can out of the game and forget about what's going on. Maybe last night. Yeah, you know, um, everybody's been been grieving and, and been you know affected by what's happened last night, and um, it's been tough for everybody. You know, I have family over in Paris, and uh, you know, have you been talking to them. Yeah, thankfully every everybody seems to be okay, and you know we know people over there as well. Everybody seems to do so. It's a tough time, especially for those uh, stab boys. But you know we just got to focus on those 80 minutes, and before or and afterwards, then we'll be able to. Um, pray for Paris and pray for the people involved and finally you're talking about those sad boys if we're the papers would be to believe Simon they're your future teammates <laughs> do you want to give us a, uh, an insight as to exactly what the situation is there uh, there's uh, I can't really talk about that to be honest I'm just focused on uh, going out next week and, and putting in a good performance and, and we'll see what happens is, is it fair to say that all options are currently on the table uh, I think that's the same for everybody when they come into contract time but uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. We need to talk to some people, but um, yeah, just got to focus on playing ball and playing well. So, well done on the try. Congratulations. Thanks, Mulder. Thanks very Thanks much. much. This is the Rewind on News Talk, and now it's GA. Kula will play Aulart de Bala in the Leinster Hurling final on Sunday, December 6th. Kula beat Clara 312 to 17 points at Parnell Park, while Aulart de Bala of Wexford overcame Clon Kill of Westmead 16 points to 8. Here is Kula manager Matty Kenny speaking to Derek Ryan of 98FM about reaching a first provincial decider with the club yes yeah, so we're pretty happy about that um, you know the lads worked very hard out there you know the uh, it was a huge challenge by Clara and um, you know we, we had to we had to stay going right to the final whistle and uh, you know a couple of late scores saw it over the line I think we won it by four points we needed that four points because at any stage Clara could have got a goal that have really set them up but uh, thankfully our backs stayed strong uh, didn't give up any goal chances and I suppose that was the difference between the two sides in the finish It was touch and go because I think you had a 7 or 8 7 point lead I think it was early in the second half having, that, having scored that third goal they came right back into it though and that led maybe 20 minutes in the, from the start of the first, uh, second half to the end of the uh, second half Clara were the better side 
Well, yeah, they had a strong breeze. I'm not sure of the better side. Uh, we went in, we went in, uh, as you say, four pints, four pints up at half time. I went in after, as the full time, four pints up. Like so, playing into a breeze. The second half was a draw. So, you know. Uh, Leinster final now in a couple of weeks' time. It's out at the Bala as well. Any uh, any insight to those at all? Have you had an eye on them at all over the last few weeks? No, we didn't. We just have a we had an eye in uh, Cool Derry and then we had an eye in Clara and uh, just one game at a time. So we have two weeks now to prepare for for, for that game and uh, we we need that two week break. And just finally, you had a couple of injuries today going into the game. Shane Stapleton and Paul Shuday. Any chance they'll be back for that game in two weeks' time? No, both of them guys had operations uh, during the week, so so they're out for the rest of 2015. This is the Rewind on News Talk and that was Cooler Boss Matty Kenny speaking to Derek Ryan of 98FM. And Nemo Rangers will play Tipside Clammel commercials in the Munster football final on November 29th after their win over Legion yesterday. And Nemo overcame the Kerry side by 14 points to 8. Legion were Kerry's representatives in the Munster Club Championship. Next week they have the chance to call themselves the Kerry champions. They take on South Kerry in the county final replay. South Kerry even if they'd won the final the first day, couldn't represent Kerry because they're a divisional team. Legion, who have at the very least got to the final, were selected by the county board uh, to go forward, despite the fact that Dingle won the club championship, which is a separate competition in Kerry. If you follow football, you'll know what I mean. Anyway, after yesterday's match, Legion boss Peter Keane spoke to Radio Kerry's Weishi Fogarty about their defeat to Nemo, but also... The final replay next week. They're taking on South Kerry, as we've mentioned. But first, here is Nemo Rangers selector Colin Corkery speaking with Red FM about what he says was an impressive display all over the park uh, from his side. Again, another battle, like, which we expected. So you're kind of um, you're kind of uh, like a bit of controversy during the week about who we were playing or whatever. But once we knew it was Legion, you know, we had to prepare. And you know, in fairness to the lads, they, they did the job well, very well today, actually. We have to kind of do our own thing, and in fairness to the lads, they're fairly focused, you know, and it's fairly easy to kind of get, get our own thing right, you know, rather than worrying about them, you know. And you seem to be on top all over the, the pitch today. Yeah, it was actually, yeah. Um, in fairness to the lads, it's just our work rate, again, like, it's very good, you know, and when our work rate is up, you know, um, we're a good team. And you have a bit of momentum as well behind you at the moment. We have, but you'd expect that, like, after, you know, the last, you know, uh, four or five weeks now we've been playing games nearly every week so you know um, there's a bit of f- uh, familiarity there so in everything that we're doing and, uh, and that helps as well you know Well Peter that was a good tough hard game before the replay next Sunday what do you take out of it? Well, it was just what you said it was a good tough game and um, hopefully it'll stand to us next weekend um, the game itself there was a strong win there and I suppose we were down we were down five at half time and I, I think we finished did we finish down five as well do you know so maybe maybe we just didn't get to grips grips with that in the first half uh, in conjunction to next Sunday now and in conjunction to recovery and uh, how will you treat the players now during the week and what, what way will you be thinking about the replay Ah, oh, look, I, I suppose even coming in here today, our main focus was always going to be on next weekend. Um, this was probably a, a bit of a distraction to us this weekend to, to be having to come here. We, we, we had been planning to be playing South Kerry yesterday. Um, and look, we will plan accordingly as the week goes on. Peter, it must be a bit of a, a concern. There was a bit of ill-discipline in the, in, in the, in the Legion defence at times there, even though they played outstandingly well, but the referee was forced three times to bring the ball in closer to the goal when the, when the defenders were given out to him. Yeah, that was disappointing, of course, and, and, um, and on one of the occasions right before half-time, I, I, I think the ball probably travelled 30 yards. Do you know we talk about moving the ball forward 10 yards or, or, or 
13 metres but my god that seemed to, to, to run at a crucial time just before half time but look you're right um, there was a bit of, of a lack of discipline in there which is something we'll be dealing with Back to hurling now Napiershig will take on Ballygunner of Waterford in the Munster final next week following the 215 to 17 points win over Thurless Sarsfields after the game Napiershig manager Shane O'Neill told Live 95 FM Limerick's Liam O'Hearn that all of his players stepped up it was a great team performance. You look at um, some of the boys that wouldn't be the um, alleged starlets, I suppose. Um, Kieran Kennedy was just immense through the whole match. He was just outstanding when some of our backs were struggling in the first 15 minutes particularly. And I think he, uh, he, he himself and Kieran Breen kept it together, thought they played very well and continued it through the whole game. But uh, yeah, an unbelievable championship match. Wouldn't expect anything different when you're playing Thurlis Arsenal in a Munster Club semi-final, you know. We always said the first goal was going to be crucial and uh, what a goal it was from, from young Casey up there. Oh, Peter, yeah, yeah. well, he, he keeps coming up with the goods, doesn't he? Um, in fairness to him, uh, he'd kind of wandered out the field a small bit himself so to, because he's just mad for ball, so we had to tell him <laughs> yeah. to go back in where he's really dangerous and he got a great goal, you know. Yeah, it sure was. And then the second goal arrived just at the right time as well, four points between them then and there was a few nervy moments towards the end but you always felt once that second goal went in, did you? Yeah, once, you were, once you're at four points, they have to score twice, you know, even if they get a goal or whatever. And uh, they themselves, rather than going for points, I suppose, started dropping them in short and stuff. So we just brought a couple back, trying not to lose our shape. But the nature of these games, as I said before, Munster Club can get a bit, a bit mad at times. From your point of view now, it's a short turnaround, a seven-day turnaround to Bally Gunner. Yeah, we, we just do what we normally do on uh, Championship Week. We, we train twice a week. It's generally just short and sharp. Um, for one of the sessions and the other one really is only, only get together more than anything else Yeah, and I suppose you, you said after the county final character had been questioned you proved it in, in Six Mile Bridge the, the last day and again there was a real test here today as you would have expected you expecting something similar next week? Oh God I am yeah um, Belly Gunner I don't know are they one of the most they're probably, if not the most successful but one of the most successful club sides in, in the Munster Club competition since it started so um, I think they've cont- contested more finals than anybody else so uh, Ballygunner Sears championship side very strong all the way through the team so they, they, they'll bring a very different type of test to our guys than what we got here today but look we haven't got time to consider them because it's only such a short turnaround so we just have to try and look after ourselves and deal with what we felt need to be dealt with today This is the Rewind on News Talk still to come MMA with Marco Tool and Dan Kelly of Newstalk.com talks about the Electricity League we've kind of picked some of the highs and lows now that the uh, dust has settled Uh, but first the Ladies All-Stars took place over the weekend and uh, among the people I've been speaking to uh, are Cora Courtney of Monaghan and Valerie Mulcahy of Cork as well as uh, Sinead Finnegan and Sinead Goldrick of Dublin it was a first time award for Finnegan and she was genuinely shocked to win it I don't know why she was shocked but because her performances really did stand out uh, this season Breach Corkery was a winner yet again but she was also voted the player of the year we'll hear from her shortly uh, but first it is Mayo legend Cora Staunton on winning her 10th award and the possibility that we won't see her back in inter-county colours uh, next season which would be a shame but anyway uh, she's been telling us about all of that Cora Staunton all-star number 10 that's pretty amazing Hi, yeah, it's, um, it's a lovely recognition, I suppose, at the end of another hard year. Um, I suppose when you're playing, you don't really um, be counting them. Um, I suppose when you finish your career, you look back and, you know, um, see what you've achieved. But, you know, again, as, you know, Reach Cork, you were saying earlier on, it's all about the team. And it's the team that gets you there and you're playing a team sport. So, again, I'd like to thank all the Mayo girls for um, getting me here tonight. I suppose you have to get yourself right before you can help the team. How do you go about that? I mean, how do you recharge the batteries and get going every year because 
I mean, 10 All-Stars is pretty phenomenal. Yeah, I suppose um, I suppose you have a bit of downtime now. I suppose this is the first time in a long time our club have been kind of knocked out there two weeks ago, so kind of on a bit of a downtime now. And I suppose in January, you'll see, do you want to recharge the batteries and go again? But as was said earlier by Valerie Mulcahy, um, I suppose this is a bit of addiction, you know, so it's very hard to let go and say, step away, this is the time. Um, whether the time is now or it could be next year, you know, I haven't made any decision, but, you know, it's just something you love. You're playing with your really, your really good friends, and as I said, you know, you're probably a bit addicted to it, and it's very hard to let go. I guess it's even harder to let go. If anything, winning this All-Star probably makes that decision a bit harder, because it's easier to maybe to walk away if you know the standards are slipping, but yours obviously aren't. I, uh, I suppose, like, uh, you know, I've always said to myself, I'll, I'll retire if, I, you know, if I've lost the love for the game or, you know, if I'm not performing up to the ability that I know I can perform. Um, you know, and hopefully, you know, I, I'll, over the winter months, you, you'll want that, um, that addiction back to play again next year. Um, it's, it's, you know, I haven't made any mind up now for next year, but you, hopefully you want the winter months you get, you know, when you haven't played ball for a while, that you decide that you, you're mad to get back into it. Um, you know, but hopefully, you know, that'll come in January, February, but they're the hard months to be coming back into. Is it always the same at this time of year, especially in the last couple of years, that you always kind of write, OK, I'll give it a rest and see how I'm feeling in January, February? Yeah, well, I suppose I've been very lucky. Um, the last kind of, you know, we've won our 17th county title with our club and we've won 15 Connacht, so normally I don't finish till... Um, you know, All Ireland final, All Ireland final club, which is normally the end of November, the start of December. So you don't really make your decision. You're normally coming off, you know, winning All Ireland with your club, or coming off losing, you know, an All Ireland semi final or final. So your decision really isn't made, and you really don't have a break, and you just kind of go back into it. Where this year you have a kind of a couple of probably a month or two to decide what you're going to do over these months so yeah you know I will decide I'll you know see what's the story with management and talk to them in you know January February see how the body is in that time and you know see do I have the drive to go back again for another I think it'll be my 22nd year playing with Mayo so in a sport that is growing all the time you've been an icon for a number of years how does that sit with you uh, yeah, like I, I don't mind it. Um, I'd be probably a very um, shy person off the off the football pitch. Probably a total different character than I am um, on it. Um, so, but yeah, no, it doesn't. Like, not that I don't mind it, but like I wouldn't. You know, I don't look at it in any way. You know, you look at Cork, Breach Cork, in the way she spoke tonight. You know, she's all about the team. It's not an individual sport. If you want to play an individual sport, you're going to off doing athletics or something else. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I like to inspire young people, you know, and, you know, hopefully that one day they, they, that I'll have inspired them and they'll write that it was me. But, you know, at the end of the day, all I want to do is play football, play in a team full of friends, you know, try and achieve, you know, the best you can, whether that's a Connacht title or an All-Ireland title, whatever, you just you try your best. Cora, congratulations. Thanks for talking. Thanks a million. Breach Corkery, nine All-Stars, um, ten All-Ireland football titles. And now Player of the Year as well. That's pretty amazing. Um, yeah, it's been a fantastic year. Um, I suppose coming back at the start of this year and thinking we'd win in All-Ireland was very far from our minds. Um, but it just goes to show the honesty, the modesty and the complete work rate of all the girls around us. Um, that we all want the same thing and that's just to, to be the best we can be. And um, I suppose it showed during the year that we all plugged together and, and tried our hardest and the results came off. Did, did it feel like a standout year for you individually? And I appreciate it's tough for a, a sports person and, and it always is when you ask them about themselves to talk about themselves. But 
what do you think it was that got you that player of the year title um, I, I just think you know I suppose in midfield myself and Rena Buckley worked very well together um, you know I think it was it was very close between myself Rena was nominated as well um, Rena could have got, a, got it just as quick as I did um, sometimes I think she probably deserved it more than I did um, you know just it's been all the girls around us worked really hard and you know it just made our job that little bit easier um, but I suppose you know um, I, we worked really hard from January onwards trying to get fit and um, as I said it was just personally I just think it's down to the team I think it's down to your midfield partner you're never as good as the girl beside you and I think Rena just we helped each other along all the way and that's kind of the, the gist of it really do you communicate much on the pitch do you communicate much off the pitch talking about how you're going to do things as in when I run forward you drop or you go wide and I'll go narrow I mean how do you work that um, so like me and Rena always say if one goes forward one stays back and vice versa um, so that's kind of the way we work it um, but other than that we don't speak too too, too tactically about it um, we both take our players and you know we work for each other we help each other out at all times and I think we work well as a pairing um, I thought Rena was just outstanding this year and um, it was just a great year for the two of us How have you evolved your style of play individually given that you're now kind of coming up against more numbers in defence this year in the year All-Ireland Final for example Dublin played two sweepers and it was quite difficult for you to break, break it down at times yeah I suppose it was very hard but we just had to try and work the ball as fast as we can um, and you know create the overlap it was it was very hard with their defensive but um, we that's what we tried to create was just an overlap um, and I suppose in the end it was the freeze that got us over the line at the end and that was just the girls the half forward line built in through as well and um, it was it was very extremely hard against Dublin but I think the girls broke it down bit by bit and that's what got us over the line Did you kind of give a lesson in beating and I'm going to use the term blanket defence maybe it's the wrong term but beating a deep line defence because as you say it was the freeze but you had to earn the freeze by running at them by creating overlaps by attacking Yeah I mean I think like everybody knows it's really hard to stop uh, an attacking player um, especially if they're coming in droves no matter how many you have back if, if you keep running off the ball then that's kind of the, the way about it and I think that was the main thing Eamon said to us he was like keep running keep running even if you don't want the ball keep running and I think maybe that was the way that's the way of maybe beating the blanket defence yeah, it wasn't a bad year for you in the camogie as well um, does it in some ways make it easier the fact that you're a dual star do you have to do less training and you get to play more games and I suppose anyone who gets into sport gets into it to play games not necessarily to train hard all the time um, no both Rena and myself train most nights yeah. um, now Paddy and Eamon would be very good if they thought we looked tired they'd pull us out um, do you argue that point when they do or do you accept it uh, sometimes I argue and sometimes I accept it <laughs> who wins they win most of the time but I wouldn't be very so I don't I don't like pull, being pulled out of training um, but sometimes you just have to be and you know your body tells you when you have to be uh, but no I think me and Rena train most nights of the week um, and then we get to play our games maybe it's a huge advantage to have the extra games but um, you know you still, if you're, you're still at the disadvantage of where you know you could be overtired as well and they're the they're the other parts of it but um no, I think it's we've grown up with it since we're 11 and 12. We don't know any difference, and we just love doing what we're doing. I know this will be an, this will sound like an extreme cliche. But this is a great night for your family. 
and when I say family I don't just mean blood relatives I mean the players you play with because I've seen you guys talk to each other I've seen you interact I've seen you at the end of all Ireland finals at the end of other matches and you're so incredibly tight you're so incredibly close as a group and I'm sure there are arguments I'm sure there are rows but all for the greater good yeah I mean you know we all have our opinion but we're all great friends at the end of it all I think the biggest thing is we all respect each other Um, and that's that's the huge thing about it everybody knows you're not best friends with everybody on the team or on the panel but once you respect each other it's the it's the greatest it's the greatest key of success Um, respect and honesty and I think that's what we have here um, just because you're not friends off the pitch, when you come to training, when you're playing together, that's where you become friends. That's where you earn the respect and the honesty. And um, I think that's where that's an awful lot, of, a big key to our success. Great. Congratulations. Well yeah. done. Another magnificent year and your player of the year. Time. Not at all. Thanks, Ashley. Cora Courtney, third All-Star in a row. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, I never thought growing up that I'd ever win one All-Star, never mind three All-Stars in a row. You know, we might not have done that well with Monaghan this past two years, so it was absolutely shocked to get it. But, um, you know, you put in a work away from the pitch all by yourself, you know, doing them huge extra gym sessions. So I suppose for that, it's nice to get an award for showing that. Um, because you don't, we haven't won a trophy at Monaghan now in two years, so it's nice to get this award. And I thank all my Monaghan teammates as well for helping me get this along the way too. I know at the start of the year, if I said to you, you can have the All Ireland or the All Star, you'd probably pick the All Ireland. And here comes the awkward bit where I ask you to tell me why you stood out this year, what you think you did well, or why you think you have that All Star in your hands. And I appreciate that's an awkward question to sports people. It's never one they like, but. There is a reason why you are an All-Star and there's a reason why you've won three in a row. I suppose where I play wing half forward, you get on the ball a lot, but I think for part of the year I was playing wing half back, maybe two or three championship matches as well. You're up and down the field, you get on the ball. And I suppose some of the play that Womanian plays is that if I try and get on the ball as much as possible and try and deliver it into the forwards, full forward line. So maybe when people are watching, I am getting on, on the ball a lot. So that could be part of it. But um, yeah, it's probably the part flip uh, part of the pitch I play. You do get on the ball a lot, so maybe that that has helped. I think. Did you enjoy that kind of evolution of position, dropping deep and, and carrying ball forward? Yeah, I do enjoy that. Um, it's a lot of hard work, but up and down the field. That's what I'm used to doing. I've done that for the past couple of years now, and. Um, you know, I feel sorry for some of the Dublin and Cork players that I thought were going to get this over me today. But, you know, every year there's a few surprises. And I think a lot of people are going to think I'm one of those surprises. But um, I'll take this award. I'll take this award anyway. Yeah, well, I think anyone who's watched your displays this year is not in any way surprised by it. Still work to do for you, though, with the club this year, isn't there? Yeah, we have the All-Ireland semi-final now on Sunday. We're playing Fox Rock from Dublin. But um, we've been going really well this year. I think it's one of the best years we've been going. You know, we're flying fish and our intermediate team were going well all year. So they got beaten us to final there not so long ago. So trainings have been high numbers. And I think if we get our attitude right now coming this week, we we will win that All-Ireland semi-final and we get through to the All-Ireland final. Tough to keep going or good that you have something to concentrate on, something that brings you through the winter. I just spoke to Cora Stolton and her club aren't involved which is unusual for this time of year and it seems like she misses it it seems like she would want that to be the case you know it's hard it's hard coming out from work in the dark evenings and you're going out and it's so cold but 
You know, last year when we got beat, we were watching Chairman going all the way, and we were sick watching them or looking at the social media and looking at them winning the All Ireland, and we we were not happy that they were winning. So I'd rather be here training now this time of the year and getting a couple of weeks off rather than a couple of months off that we got last year. You know, you'd rather be out in the cold and muck, and you know, it's still it's great to be part of the club at this time of year. And it's nice as well in a county sense and an all-star sense that you're not the only Monaghan winner tonight No, it's great to have club mate Linda Martin there you know, she's been here four or five years in a row now and she probably has been overlooked you know, some of, the, some of the years there you thought she was a dead cert and then she never got it so, you know, this year we were coming up we were fingers crossed and hoping that she get it and we're delighted that she has it and now I have another, I have an all-star buddy coming now on the all-star trip so <laughs> I was hoping some other Monaghan would get it uh, Monaghan one would get it tonight and I'm delighted for Linda she deserves well, enjoy San Diego, and before that, best of luck with your club. Congratulations on tonight. Thanks very much. This is the Rewind on News Talk. We're celebrating the best of ladies football in 2015. I was at the All Stars on Saturday night. Already, you've heard from Breach Corkery, uh, Cora Courtney, and Cora Staunton. Uh, but right now, we're going to hear from Dublin's two Sinead, Sinead Goldrick, and first, Sinead Finnegan. Sinead. Oshin. <laughs> How do you feel about winning an Ulster? I feel delighted. I'm really, really, really over the moon. Um, I was not expecting it at all. I've been saying to my family all week, look, don't be disappointed when I don't win. I'm not going to be disappointed. I'm delighted that I've been nominated, but I'm really, really happy. It's, it's a really nice way to cap off a year that could have been better, but it's nice to get a recognition. Individually, I'm not going to say it's a vindication because that's ridiculous because, you know, it, it's not you played well, you know you played well, your teammates played well, they know they played well. But it is certainly a massive, massive compliment. It's a massive honour. I mean, is it a feeling now of everything you've ever done in your life <laughs> has kind of come together and worked out? No, I wouldn't say that at all because at the end of the day, Gaelic football is a team sport. It's not an individual sport and... As a team, we want to collectively achieve... What we want to achieve is we want to win the All-Ireland. We haven't done that. Well, I haven't done that. I know the girls did it in 2010, but me personally, I haven't been on a team where we've won the All-Ireland. So, yes, this is a massive, massive honour and I'm so delighted. But at the end of the day, what I want to achieve is I want to win the All-Ireland with that team that I've played for for so long. So You made your debut in 2013, so in an individual sense... Um, what was different for you this year? What did you do better than the last couple of years congratulations <laughs> sorry this is my brother um, what did I do um, I don't think I did anything different um, I still trained as hard as I have every other year so I don't know how to answer that question because is it just a matter of I suppose you're, you're, you know, you've been at it a couple of years so naturally so it I'm gets getting better older. no naturally <laughs> naturally it gets better it evolves and, and you get better as an individual I think you become more experienced um, do you know you get a bit cuter as you get older so maybe maybe that's what it is but I'm not I'm, I don't I don't want to put myself down as one of the experienced players because that means you're old doesn't it so I don't want to be the old one uh, your brother here is here as well your family here my tonight my brother yeah my family are here my granddad is here and when my name got called out my granddad squeezed my face <laughs> and I was like please stop squeezing my face <laughs> so, listen congratulations thank, thank you, you very much Sinead congratulations how does it feel to be an all-star yeah no I'm absolutely delighted and like there's four of us that have got the awards today so um, it's a really it's a really good day for Dublin but I think we are we just want that All-Ireland <laughs> trophy but um, no it's a special day for us so delighted I ask you how you feel to be an all-star I should say how you feel to be an all-star again because this is your fourth what is it about you do you 
that you think that kind of stands you out? How do you keep up that level of consistency? As hard as I know it is to talk about how good you are. Oh, I don't. I'm not too sure. I don't know. Um, I think. Dublin have a very strong defence and we really work together, you know, as a unit. So there's, I think, a, you know, all and carry and there's loads of players that would be kind of maybe doing other work that wouldn't maybe, wouldn't be as noticed. Um, but I think, you know, collecting my fourth, I'm, I'm very happy with this. So, yeah. Yeah. And now you still have some business left this season, some big business as it happens. <laughs> yeah, um, so we have our semi-final of the All-Ireland with club um, next Sunday against Dunamoyne. Um, so we won our Leinster there for the first time ever with our club. So it really, you know, that's what it just was amazing feeling to win with our club players that we've been playing with since we were six or seven so it was just a really special moment but like we have more hunger in us and I really can't wait to get back playing like on Sunday against Dunamoyne and it kind of just shows you that you have that drive with you know any team that you're playing with I think that it's just really special to be in a situation that we are in because last year when we lost the All-Ireland and there's no club football I kind of felt lost so I'm just really really grateful that we're in the opportunity that we have next Sunday yeah, Glad to get refocused again you're coming up against football royalty though Yeah I know and we're sitting behind the twin of mine players they're brilliant they've I think four All-Stars on their team they're very experienced um, so it's going to be a tough challenge for us especially it was our first time winning Leinster um, but you know we're just going to go out there and give it our best it's in Dunamoyne too um, so I know it will be a tough challenge for us but we're trying to get loads of support there for it Is it good that you're I won't say in bonus territory but it's when it's when it's the club's first time being in this territory yeah. is that a good thing does that add to the excitement there's kind of an innocence about it that, that, that wouldn't be there if, if you were there had been there in the past yeah like I think that's what we're looking at in the positive side you know we're just going out there I suppose we would be the underdogs going into the game because with the lack of experience but sometimes you know that really just gives you the drive to give it everything you have and kind of less nervous so we're just really can't wait for that match next Sunday Sinead congratulations thank on tonight you, and you. best of luck next Sunday thank you, thank you. congratulations on your second All-Star first of all tell me how it feels Amazing. I like I was just saying there. I when I started in 2012, I barely thought I'd get a chance to come onto the team, the court team, such a fabulous team, and just to just even come back here again this year. I, I'm shocked, but delighted, obviously. And I have two clubmates, Breed and Marie Ambrose. Marie's first time here. It's her first year with court first All-Star oh, it's really special like, and delighted to share with him and with the rest of the Parkers so it's lovely and it's two All-Stars in a row for you I mean that must be tremendously pleasing that you peaked and then peaked again and that, that's very difficult to do I mean take for example this year in the men's All-Star team I think in the football there are no repeat All-Stars no one who won an All-Star this year won one last year oh, I didn't even think about it that way being honest like I just feel really really lucky like I have a great sport team behind me you know I have five fantastic backs that helped me along and you know I I couldn't do it without them and I don't think I would have achieved this I don't think I'd be the player I am without those girls so it's not really a personal or an, an, an individual performance for me it's just I've learned so much from those girls and so like appreciative that I ever got a chance to play with them so it's all down to them really they've, they've trained me and is it a case that individually you're motivated because you know your teammates are doing the exact same they're working hard and if you don't work hard you're going to let them down and, and then let yourself down yeah definitely like we've a really good friendship down in Cork like within the team and I guess like if you're not pushing yourself to the max then you're letting someone else down and even Eamon like we'd hate to leave him down he's put so much into us for the last how many years and I've only been with them four years but um, 
I just you'd hate to let them down so yeah you push yourself to 110% and if that's enough that's enough and you know yeah it's just we all kind of trust each other as well at the same time you know as in I'm wing back but I know my corner back behind me is doing her job and I know she's doing it to the best of her ability so that's important yeah I know it's an incredible cliche but there's some real leaders in the court team I mean you look at the starting 15 and the, and the bench from the All-Ireland Final for example and you just see people who, who you'd follow anywhere into any kind of battle and one of them is just over there Rena Breach Corker is around I just spoke to Valerie Mulcahy I mean these people are just can you try and sum up what it's like to play with them what it's like to, to look around the dressing room and know that they're there with you can I sum it up um, well it's just incredibly it's an honour it really is an honour to say that I've played with them and on the same 15 and on the same team but like they'd never make you feel like you're any different you know they're probably some of the most modest girls you'll ever meet and I think that's what makes them great you know at the end of the day it all comes down to hard work that's their motto and it, it's not they've got you know like Reese said small heads big asses whatever her phrase is <laughs> every time she says it I just I start roaring laughing but it's honestly just it's the modesty that comes along with them you know they're they're great people and just hard work is what gets them through and for younger girls coming onto the team I think it's brilliant they're incredible role models talking of role models Eamon Ryan yeah. yeah he's amazing again he doesn't take any credit for himself it's great that we get the opportunity to see like how amazing he is you know you go to a training two three times a week and you learn something new from him he's he's he like the basics are so important for him you know it's all about the simple skills the hand passing with your right and your left the kick passing with your right and your left and like there's nothing really special to him he's just a man he loves football he loves the team we love him you know it's I think it's just a good package. We all just have an awful lot of respect for him. Like, he's amazing, and he, he doesn't take enough credit at all. Vera, congratulations. Thanks, well this is the Rewind on News Talk, and those are just some of the winners from the 2015 Ladies Football All-Stars. Uh, good news for the ladies, by the way. They've uh, signed a new three-year deal with TG Cahar, which means the sport will continue to be shown on TV. And there's an awful lot of hard work going in at grassroots level as big a, a cliche as that sounds in ladies football that's adding to the numbers it's adding to the game growing but you can't put a price on TV coverage and the fact that the league is covered and the championship right from the start is covered that's a massive deal for ladies football and it's something that other organisations need to look at if they're to have any chance of growing their sport and I'm thinking specifically maybe about Camogie there anyway uh, let's talk MMA Mark O'Toole broadcaster and journalist joins us Mark a massive shock over the weekend. Yeah, well, I suppose uh, it was uh, pretty shocking and we can see like the story has gone wide and beyond the usual MMA press and the usual sports press because Ronda Rousey in the last uh, year and a half to two years has become uh, pretty much um, a mainstream cultural phenomenon in the United States. She's appeared... Uh, in different movies like The Expendables. She's been on Jimmy Fallon. Um, and um, she was built up as this unbelievable uh, fighter, this dominant fighter in MMA. And even um, Joe Rogan, the, the regular co-commentator for the UFC on their events, uh, said as she made the walk out in Australia to face Holly Holmes uh, this past uh, Saturday, uh, Sunday morning, Saturday evening, um, that uh, it was reminiscent of Mike Tyson at his peak. And really it was, and it was reminiscent of Mike Tyson's loss against uh, Buster Douglas uh, all those years ago in terms of uh, the shock that it generated because uh, in that media mainstream, she'd been built up Ronda Rousey to be the baddest woman on the planet. 
and uh, people didn't take a step back to see where she might possibly fell down and she fell down pretty spectacularly against another undefeated fighter Holly Holm um, who has a lot of experience uh, this past weekend and Holm kind of let Ronda Rousey chase after her which people mightn't have seen coming but in a, in a GA or soccer parlance she was kind of catching her maybe on the counter-attack is that fair? Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's very fair. I mean, if, if we look at the betting odds opened up in Vegas, the betting lines would have been 8-1 to for Holly Holm to win, which is unheard unheard of ridiculous odds in a fight between two people. Um, and uh, people probably would have been basing that around the fact that in Ronda Rousey's last number of fights, there's only been one fight in her career that has... Uh, gone beyond the first round. Her last uh, number of fights, if you look at how long they lasted, it would have been, uh, you know, a number of seconds. Her last fight against Bet Korea in Brazil back in August was 34 seconds. Her fight against Katzengano um, at UFC 184 was 14 seconds. Alexis Davis before that, 16 seconds. And what the fight would consist of is Ronda Rousey coming out, bull rushing the opponent, using her judo her judo skills to throw down and take the opponent, and usually get them in some sort of submission. Usually her trademark armbar, or maybe uh, a KO through punches. And um, Ronda Rousey did that again this weekend, but Holly Holm has been uh, honing her own game plan. And she'd been, since she's joined the UFC and she's had two fights in the UFC and a number of MMA organizations before that, she's had a number of decisions and people have been criticizing her for not being spectacular, for not having that knockout power. But what she has been doing is circling away from opponents, uh, picking them off with shots, basically doing what a good amateur boxer would do, which is score the points and then the TKO or the knockout might take care of herself. And that's what she did against Ronda Rousey. She waited for Ronda Rousey to come forward, do the usual bull rush, and just circled away from her, uh, picked her shots. And um, Ron, uh, Holly Holm has, you know, over 30 fights as a world uh, boxing champion. She's experienced in kickboxing. She hit uh, Rousey in the second, early in the second round with a beautiful straight and then followed it up with a kick, which masked the follow-on kick and then just uh, finished her off on the ground. Um, it was a, a pretty... Um, aesthetically amazing looking knockout you know you think of the great uh, famous knockouts of uh, you know Muhammad Ali versus George Foreman just letting him go over there was a similar sort of aesthetic to this as, so this wasn't uh, Rousey Mark on the Rousey being cut out this wasn't a case of her maybe not putting in the work or underestimating or just not getting it right on the night and you know if they were to meet again tomorrow or next week or the week after and we'll get to the talk with the rematch in a second but you know th- this wasn't a one-off it is very believable that um Holly Holm could beat her five times out of ten. Yeah, like I don't, uh, I don't want to simplify this, or I don't want to overly simplify this. But this wasn't just Ronda Rousey. There's a couple of things going on. She was always going to take time off after this fight to film uh, Roadhouse uh, after the Patrick Swayze movie of the eighties. She's had a lot of commitments. Uh, She's uh, going to be filming Roadhouse, the Patrick Swayze movie of the nineteen eighties. I think and it was she's Patrick go- Swayze. It was Patrick Swayze, of course it was. And she's going to be in the title role. She's going to be in the main role in, that, in, in the of remake the of that movie. the philosophy studying bouncer. So, yeah, so she's... Uh, and, and, well, which is ironic because, yeah. you know, given the roundhouse kicks we've seen in that movie, uh, clearly Ronda Rousey needs to work on her striking game. Um, but I suppose back to, well, back so to the actual... Look, uh, yeah, I'll give her this. At least she's not in the 
in the Point Break remake. Just, just I wish Hollywood would leave Patrick Swayze's movies alone. Well, anyway, well, go on. You never know. Ushin, like, I mean, all these remakes are going on all the time. We've got the new Ghostbusters coming out. There's, uh, there, there, there's a number of things. I mean, she's got all the opportunities in the world. But what a lot of people are saying is all these opportunities might have been distracting her at the task of becoming a better mixed martial artist. And then a couple of people would point to the fact that, you know, maybe her coach hasn't worked on Ronda Rousey's footwork as much as it should have been, that she keeps using the same bull rush out tactic, get into the clinch, throw your opponent to the ground. So in that maelstrom of distractions off the outside of the octagon, maybe not having the best preparation and progressing as a mixed martial artist, Holly Holm has in the meantime been working away quietly, uh, becoming the best striker in, in, in that division. And uh, the best striker took out the best grappler in that division. And really what you've got to say is uh, Ronda Rousey's going to go away for a couple of months to film this movie, and she might be back for UFC 200 in a new ready-made stadium in Las Vegas next summer for a rematch. And Dana White said she'll give it a rematch. But what Ronda Rousey has got to do in the meantime is forget about all these distractions and start concentrating on becoming a better mixed martial artist. She's amazing. She's been an unbelievable champion. But in a sport that is constantly changing and where styles go in and out of fashion, you can't be stagnant in terms of how you improve your game. And now we've got an excellent chance in this rematch to see Holly Holm, a new sort of challenge for Ronda Rousey that she hasn't been able to take over and Ronda Rousey having to improve and add something to her game and in a challenge that she, one, will know is there now and two, she'll have to improve for. And that's going to be a really fascinating encounter. Well, her next battle is with uh, Brad Wesley. I think that was the name of the bad guy in the original Roadhouse. She has been talking on social media, uh, Rousey. She says, I just wanted to thank everyone for the love and support. I appreciate the concerns about my health, but I'm fine. As I had mentioned before, I'm going to take a little bit of time and I'll be back, or but I'll be back. Uh, that's what she has said on Instagram. Well, and Oshin, I, I suppose it's interesting, like, I mean, outside of, um, outside of uh, Ronda Rousey, um, uh, last weekend was the biggest UFC uh, attendance um, in the history of the UFC. There was 56,000 people in the Etihad Stadium in uh, Melbourne. And uh, Ronda Rousey, who was the first women's champion, the first breakout star, possibly the biggest star, uh, including every men's division in the UFC over the last few years, uh, that stadium was sold out by Ronda Rousey fighting Holly Holm as the main event. And the co-main event was... Uh, uh, was also the women's strawweight uh, championship between uh, Joanna Yendraytrick and um, and uh, and uh, Valerie uh, Letourneau for the strawweight championship. So it really goes to show, just um, in a few short years after Dana White saying he could never see women in the UFC, uh, they've really um, added something to to, the, to this sport and have really added an appeal that is uh, on a par with men. And that's something we we rarely see in sports, maybe in tennis. Um, but it, it, it's certainly impressive to, to, to see. Um, you know, you've got to give a lot of credit to Ronda Rousey for being really the pioneer and the person that garnered the interest in, uh, in, 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 in the women's side of the sport. Mark, as always, you are the bridge to MMA and the UFC, uh, the bridge from 
my pure bandwagon jumping, you always make sense of it, you always break it down Yeah, but well, you bring the 1980s people... film trivia, so well, well, all well, balances out. Well, we all bring our own talents, but let's face it, when, <laughs> I, when I talk MMA or UFC, people know that I have a light interest, but to, to hardcore fans, I must come across as a complete shy talker, but you always you always break it down and make sense, and we appreciate that. Marco Tool, thanks for joining us on the uh, Rewind uh, Sports Podcast on News Talk. No problem, Ocean. Well, this is the Rewind on News Talk, and we're going to... Look back on the Electricity League season overall in 2015 now. We wanted to let the dust settle, which is why we didn't do this uh, last week in the immediate aftermath of the FAI Cup final. Uh, plus, Dan Kelly, I was just too damn depressed. There's nothing wrong with being depressed. It's As a Cork City fan, there's nothing wrong with that. Dundalk were by far the best team in the league in the year, and they've in the end, they did deserve the double. Yes, more on Dundalk in a second, more on Cork City as well. But um, let's go through your various categories. We'll start... With a team close to your heart, the biggest disappointment. Disappointment, yes. I've gone for two teams here, one in the Premier Division, one in the First Division. Uh, it wasn't the best year to be a Slugger Rovers fan. Uh, and that's an understatement, to say the least. We w- uh, we went into the start of the season hoping for European football. Owen Harry came in as manager. He'd done a decent job at Bohemians. We were hoping uh, this would be the catalyst that the club needed to get back to cup finals and winning leagues that they'd done in previous years. And it turned out to be an unmitigated disaster. What happened? Because here he is a good football man. He's got a good footballing brain. Great player. And as you say, on the face of it, had done a good job at Bowes. Yeah, he'd done a very good job at Bowes. It's, uh, there's uh, stories coming out of Sligo, many probably uns- uh, unsubstantiated. So there's no point saying them on air. But there were stories that he had lost the dressing room pretty early. Uh, certain players that were in the dressing room just didn't respect him. Which, if you're in a manager-player dynamic, that is never a good scenario. So here he went midway through the season. Then Gavin Dykes, who would be... Uh, he was the captain of Sligo Rovers when they won the Cup in 94. He's previously managed Derry and Finn Harps and he's been uh, in the background in the Shoguns for the last four or five years. He came in under Paul Cook. He was joined by Jos Vindo. And that sadly, despite how much Jos Vindo is revered in Sligo, was another disaster. So Mickey Adams then, the uh, uh, manager from England, plenty of Premier League experience, came in with one job and one job only, keep the club up. So from fans who were thinking at the start of the season, let's try and get Europe to... Uh, a situation where survival was the only option and on the second last day of the season Rovers somehow beat St Pat's in Richmond Park and uh, the fans celebrated it as if they had won the league itself which is kind of sad when you consider the heights that Sligo have climbed in the last couple of yeah what do the fans make of Mickey Adams because he came over with a job to do he was told keep them in the league go on a cup run if you can he kept them in the league to be fair he did what he was supposed to do but as soon left. as the season ended, he's he left. left. And the sign of how highly he was revered by the fans was that everyone was disappointed when he left. No one thought, great, he did his job, but we can move on now. Plenty of fans wanted him to stay next season. And he has gone back to England for family reasons, which you can understand. Yeah, his contract was only up until the end of the season. And he basically came in, did his job and left. And he'll leave. That'll be a plus on his CV. He's uh, The last few clubs he's been at haven't worked out the best. But this will be uh, certainly a plus on his CV. Now... Where do they go from here? That's the million dollar question. No one is really sure. The uh, the application process for the new manager ended last week. Yeah. Oh, do you know what we should do? You and I. Because we're really good at football manager. We Let's, should send yes, a letter <laughs> and then we should tweet it as a yes. story because uh, that would be hilarious and it's yes. never been done before. I brought random... Uh, non-league team in England to yeah. the Champions League final yeah, that would I be, deserve this ma- that I, I would deserve be brilliant. Job. I think the 42 balls and Joe would all pick up on that and they'd think it was a right laugh altogether. <laughs> what has happened is the managerial uh, the managerial 
uh, application process has ended. Hopefully there will be uh, a man in position before Christmas. And then it's just a question of bringing players back in for next season. Obviously with most League of Ireland clubs, plenty of players are out of contract already. Some clubs have already uh, signed players for next season. Rovers have only brought in one or two uh, players that would have been... U team players come up through the through the team, Regan Donlan being one of the examples who was signed for next year. But at the moment, it's a very bare squad. Now, Waterford United also in there in the biggest disappointment. Yeah, and this could be this could be harsh, but Roddy Collins came in at uh, in May of the season with the team in the bottom of uh, the first division. Roddy is seen as a... There's always an immediate bounce yes, when Roddy exactly. comes in. That's that's the best way of describing it. And Athlone, Monaghan. Yes, Bowes. Now, be, me, Rovers if, should have stayed up when he was in charge, yes. but a points deduction. He, he did keep Dublin City up controversially that season. Go on, anyway. Uh, the way looking at it is, maybe Waterford will be a team to look at next season, but you would have, looking at a, a Roddy had almost two thirds of the season to get something out of this Waterford team, and they only finished a point above Cavan Teeley to finish second bottom. So he only brought them up one place in the space of four or five months. Are we going to see a different challenge from Roddy Collins though? Because there's still a lot of support for him among the Waterford fans because he has such a big job to do in Waterford. Correct. But I think with the way modern management has gone nowadays they'll expect results pretty much immediately from Roddy But, but is that just because it's, it's Roddy and we expect well, it's, it's, like if, if any other manager had gone in there would he, Waterford even be mentioned in this category the biggest disappointment? Probably not. So Roddy's a victim of his own success. One hundred percent. And whether he is whether he is happy with that, I'm not sure. But that's this is what you get when Roddy comes into a club. He has brought teams up uh, from the first division to the Premier Division. And when Waterford signed him, because they were bottom, obviously they didn't expect to be promoted uh, last season. But they would have definitely expected to finish better than second bottom. Unluckiest team, Limerick. Now this will sound awful for a team that couldn't win one of their first 21 league games but in the second half of the season they were probably the best they were probably if if not the best one of the two or three best teams in the league their first win in the se- in the league season came after 22 games it was against Sligo Rovers in Limerick and on the last day of the season they had to go to the showgrounds to beat Sligo Rovers to avoid automatic relegation hoping that uh, uh, Draw had lost to Shamrock Rovers that's what happened so they Survived on the crest of a wave and then they go to Finn Harps and over a two-legged game would have gone in as heavy favourites and somehow lost after extra time in Ballybuffet. Players likely to make an impact in England. Two men who combined for the cup final goal. Yes, Richie Towell and Daryl Horgan. Both men have gone on record in saying if they have any international aspirations, sadly they'll have to leave the league. Now I know Richie Towell was on... Uh, off the ball last week and he's spoken about how he has his first child on the way so his priorities now change he might feel staying in Ireland is the best thing for him but these uh, two players are by far the two best players in the league this season Daryl Horgan on the wing Richie Towell it's hard to define what position Richie Towell is because he plays all over the field he's even said himself attacking midfielder yes he, he he has a free role in the Dundalk team and we've seen with Chris Forrester who left the league to go to Peterborough uh, in the summer he's had a brilliant impact there and uh, as a championship team Towell and Horgan are as good if not better than Forrester so that is the level they should be looking for at least Most surprising story? UCD when you, uh, their European run when they uh, were given the fair play place uh, from the league around luckily uh, the league last year was one of the three best performing leagues in the fair play stakes, so UCD got that fair play place, even though they were relegated. Many people thought this is an absolute waste of time. UCD will embarrass the league 
in Europe and they were the only team to win a tie in Europe this year. Uh, they did better than Cork, St. Pat's, John McGovers and Dundalk who all lost their opening games. UCD beat Dudelange, uh, the Luxembourg side. They du- surely have to get your coolest <laughs> name award, do F- they? F91 Dudelange is Class. their full title. Uh, they beat them 2-1 on away goals. I was lucky enough to go to the game in the UCD Bowl. It's only 10 or 15 minutes up the road for me. So if there's a European game in your doorstep, why wouldn't you go? And they were well worth the win. Ryan Swang with the goal and he also scored in Luxembourg. Welcome addition to the top flight. Yes, Waxer Jutes. Uh, they've been in the league since 2007. Uh, Mick Wallace brought them in and they've quietly gotten better. They've never looked like getting promoted. They don't look like a boom-bust club. You know no, these they don't. clubs that start up and then all of a sudden you're like, where are they? Sporting Fingal, Dublin yes, City FC. They've come and gone. Wexford Hughes are not one of those clubs because they got a good backing from Mick Wallace when they started but they seem to have built their own foundations and their own stadium as yes, well. and they have an amateur ethos. The players are only paid expenses. They're not going to bring any players from other clubs. Yeah. Whether they do well or not is remains to be seen but Danny Furlong scored 30 goals last year in the first division in 28 games. Yeah. So that shows they have a striker. Even if he gets half the amount of goals that he got last season, this season, next season, they will have a chance. And they're in a county that is desperate to get behind something. Yes, they have Leinster rugby, but that's kind of diluted by the fact that everyone else has it as well. Yes. And maybe maybe they don't have Leinster, Leinster rugby <laughs> after what we saw against Wasps yesterday. Jokes aside, I think Leinster will bounce back from that. Um, the Hurlers in Wexford, one or two good performances in the last couple of years, but, but nothing to get the fans excited, no run to get behind. Wexford footballers... Same thing. They've had some um, good days in, in, in the Camogie, but again, this year didn't quite work out. The so if, if Wexford youths can can even stay up and, yes. and get going from there, they'll get a massive support behind them. Well, the only thing they have against them is the location of the ground. Ferry Carry Park is about, I think, four or five miles outside yeah. of Wexford town. It's not the easiest place to get to. There's no public transport to it. So walking crowds that you might get in Wexford town will be smaller because you'll actually... Tell have me, what League of Ireland ground has walking crowds? Some would. Maybe Sligo. No, some certainly would. Uh, I, I don't think so. Tala is a pain Sh- to Shamrock get to Grover, for most Rovers fans. Shamrock Rovers, St. Pat's, plenty of yeah. clubs have gone on advertising binges when international, when away fans yeah. are. And I know Shamrock Rovers did it with German fans a few weeks ago. Walking crowds will come. Maybe teams like uh, Bohemians who are in the city centre in Dublin might get a better chance. Walking crowds, even in Cork, would exist, but... You'll ha- you'll have to. Make I don't an know. Effort. I think with the league, it's it's the fans are are fans, and yes. you have to admire that. Um, I wouldn't always agree with what they say uh, regards you know. Oh, you shouldn't be following foreign football, etc. Why don't you support your own? Yeah. Oh, it's a great product, etc. But I think they make an appointment to go rather than kind of casually deciding. I'm not sure oh, how many casual supporters there are. Oh, Wexford are playing. Let's go down. But let's just hope for yeah. Wexford next year that they get one or two good games at the start of the season, whether Cork or Shamrock Rovers or even Dundalk end up in Ferry Carry Park that they can get a big crowd hopefully a positive result and start off because they've come a long way this season I was at their first game this season it was against Cabin Teeley. I just wanted to go to Cabin Teeley's first game in the league and they lost 1-0 so they've come a long way from an opening day defeat yeah. to easily win the first division and there's a great foundation as we mentioned but yes. there's also a great ethos and success because their women's team are the double it's, champions it's been a brilliant year for them the women's team have won the National League for the first time they also won the FAI Cup yeah. uh, in the penalty shootout against the Shelburne ladies team so at the moment, it's. I know Mick Wallace has brought excellent success to the youth teams of Wexford. Yeah. That was only the Wexford District League. This has been the best year in by far the short history of Wexford Utes. Yes, Wexford Utes ladies team, formerly known for the goal that was scored against them, now making their own history. Yes, correct. Which they have been doing for the last couple of years. Uh, let's look ahead to 2016. Dundalk, three in a row? 
It looks like it. There hasn't been a dynasty in League of Ireland in a long time, probably since the Bulls team of the early 2007-2008, so mm-hmm. that era. We all expected Shamrock Rovers to do this after their European run in the Europa League, where the amount of prize money they got, everyone would have assumed they could have just bought the best players in the league, and they would by far run away with it for years to come. They haven't done that since. Slugger Rovers have won the league, St. Pat's have won the league, Dundalk have won the league. With Stephen Kenny there... They just seem to have a mentality between them that even though they're the best team, it's still us against the world, that a lot of players seem to think they have a lot of things to prove. Players like Ronan Finn went from Shamrock Rovers to Dundalk last year. Players are willing to leave Dublin to go to Dundalk. It's a thing that where players have always migrated back to Dublin because that's where the action was. But they don't just drive up and down. Stephen Kenny makes them live there, doesn't he? It depends on... Some Some of the players do live there, some okay. don't. Obviously, with the road up to But Belfast. you do have to buy in, though. Oh, it's not 100%. a case of... This is... Okay. I'm part of Dundalk, Dundalk is part of me and it's all part of the mentality that he's brought into the town and they've got behind them Yeah, and I fully expect them to it's it's 100% theirs, uh, it's their league to lose next but year. Cork City have um, made some changes Greg Bulger has yes, been signed that's a big, he, big deal he's come in from St. Pat's and he's come in very quickly from St. Pat's which has shown that Caulfield has been working behind the scenes he's willing to get players in early get them into the Cork mentality they finished second in the last two years obviously losing the cup final to uh, Dundalk in the final they will be probably again uh, maybe with Saint, maybe again with Shamrock Rovers yeah. the uh, sides that will be the nearly men and looking for Dundalk's crown next year OK Daniel Kelly of Newstalk.com forward slash sport thank you for joining us on the Rewind thank you well that's it for this week don't forget the Premier League and Champions Cup back next weekend on Saturday Leinster take on Bath in the records again they absolutely have to win and it is live on off the ball to so join the lads uh, for that. Until next Monday, uh, take care. Good night.